Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Hey gang, if you've been listening to this podcast for any length of time, you know last year I went all in on saddle hunting, and all my saddle gear comes from Tethered. And I wanted to tell you how I made my decision to use Tethered, as I didn't just haphazardly put my faith in their gear. If you know anything about me, I, I kind of go through a painful process of researching things before I kind of take the plunge. And that was the exact case uh, here whenever I was thinking about moving into saddle hunting. So first, for me, weight mattered. Um, the saddle, you know, the Tethered saddle is the lightest around. It weighs in at a whopping 15 ounces. There's also the other benefits of being able to hide behind trees away from deer, you know, being able to get into trees in and out of, you know, areas, super quiet and super stealthy. And I go through all those benefits with Greg uh, from Tethered and Podcast 102. So if you haven't listened to that, you might want to check that out. Uh, second, they thought through literally everything and the full package and accessories uh, of for saddle options from years of being DIY saddle hunters themselves. So whether it's platforms, ropes, they just know what will work from years of testing and years of uh, hunting out of saddles. And most importantly, they're here to help. Um, there's a bunch of ways to get into saddle hunting that are somewhat unknown if you've never tried it. And this was the case with me last year as I didn't know anybody who saddle hunted it and didn't have anyone near me to try a saddle and kind of see if it was something that was a good option for me. Uh, so this was me specifically last year. And Tether can help with this from everything from choosing the right size saddle to how you place your feet uh, for different shooting op or shooting scenarios while you're in the saddle and different climbing options. You name it, they can help. If you're interested in getting into saddle hunting or want to learn more, go to tetherednation.com. That's T-E-T-H-R-D-N-A-T-I-O-N.com and follow them on YouTube. Hello and welcome to the Truths from the Stand Deer Hunting Podcast. I'm your host, Clint Campbell, and you're listening to episode number 125. Today, John and I are catching up on our summer deer work plans, gear updates, and answering listener questions. So stay tuned. All right, 
what is happening, everyone. Happy Wednesday to you. Hope you all are doing good out there. I hope you have a chance to get out and start doing a little bit of deer work. I know the weather has been less than ideal across the Midwest. It's been not great, but here in Pennsylvania, except for the, this past week, it's actually been pretty good. It seems as though we're starting to dry out and our our friends in the Midwest could could, uh, could definitely use a dry out. So hopefully they, you know everything's turning in the right direction and everyone can kind of get started on their deer work, get their plots in. I know a couple of buddies of mine out in the Midwest were having some trouble getting their uh, their plots in, but of course there's bigger problems in the Midwest with a lot of the flooding and stuff they have uh, that they've had happen and stuff like that. So you know, I guess keeping everything in in perspective, making sure that those folks are able to get things back on the up and up, and and hopefully they're able to uh, you know get things back together there because there was some definitely some damage uh, damage in the in the Midwest related to the uh, to the weather we've been having. But for me. Into this session, John and I are really kind of going over a lot of, you know, what our plans are for the summer, the deer work we're doing that we're getting into and so forth. And since we recorded this, I actually had a chance to go out and scout a new piece. As you'll hear as John and I start talking is, you know, I've kind of purposefully kind of went and tried to find uh, a couple new pieces of property as we all kind of do every year. But me specifically, I'm looking for small pieces and, and, and even more specifically that might be on the way to my office. That way, maybe I can steal a few extra hunts during the course of the year by being able to slip in in the morning before I head to the office, change real quick in my truck, and then head into the office for work. Um, so the spot that I looked at on Saturday was, it was eh, it was okay. What I'll probably ta- uh, tab that as is probably, you know, a quote-unquote burner spot. Um, you know, I saw some buck sign in there, but nothing, nothing too crazy. It looks like a spot that could possibly be a decent rut spot. Um, but again, I'm, I'm hoping fingers crossed that I'll be in Iowa for, for the rut. So I'm not sure how much, um, how much that'll help me here. Um, maybe late rut because this part of, part of PA, there's not a break between archery season and gun season. So I might be able to get an extra week in, and that might be where that comes in to, uh, comes in play to be valuable. But if nothing else, I'm going to use it as a, as a place to, uh, to hit along the, you know, along my way to work that we can get a couple extra hunts in. I uh, didn't even hang a camera in there. It wasn't because I didn't see deer sign. Uh, it was because I was a little, it was a little sketch in terms of, you know, my, how comfortable I was with, you know, uh, people may or may not be kind of uh, passing through that place just on a kind of walkabout, not necessarily hunting, but, uh, you know, just kind of taking it, taking a stroll. Cause there are some homes pretty close by, um, and just didn't want to take a chance there. So that's what I've been up to. We're not going to belabor this up front a whole lot. Oh, I guess I do want to make mention of a happy father's day because we won't put a podcast out until after father's day. So happy father's day to all you dads out there. Um, if you are looking for a father's day gift, uh, you skull brew coffee is doing a 15% discount with the promo code father's day 19 at skull brew coffee.com. So you can use that and take care of, uh, take care of dad's coffee for the, uh, for the week. Uh, but also, before we jump into this podcast, I wanted to make mention of uh, of something that's kind of, you know, happening here. And before we kick today's episode off, there's, you know, my buddies at Exodus are doing something really cool. They do this, you know, every year. And I've made mention of this even, um, you know, I think in the past episode last month. And, uh, and it's finally time to let you guys know that Velvet Fest is kicking off on June 12th and going to last through July 12th. So if you're not familiar with Velvet Fest, it is the official start to deer season. And Exodus helps get the ball rolling for everyone's summer scouting. So all month, they'll have awesome prizes for people who use the hashtag, hashtag VelvetFest on social, showing their whitetail adventures. So this is regardless of whether it's, you know, trail camera photos or you doing out food plotting or scouting or whatever the case might be, just hashtag VelvetFest, add that to your add that to your post. Also, if you're in the market for a trail camera, hashtag VelvetFest will be the perfect opportunity to get ready for this season. Every single camera order comes with a gift ranging from wicked handsaws, skull brew coffee, 
Dear Aging Kit, or Exodus merch. So every single camera order comes with a random prize card also that you'll have to scratch off to reveal a prize. So kind of like lottery style. I've been told it includes some pretty killer deals, so you won't want to miss out. So each week, they will have a special offer along with a grand prize. Just as a teaser, here's the grand prize for each week of the Velvet Fest celebration. Week one, We'll be giving away a Maven rifle scope package. So that's pretty killer uh, for all the uh, for all the gun hunters out there. Uh, week two, they'll be giving away an Exodus trail camera package. Week three, they will be giving away a tethered package, which is pretty rad for anyone out there that's thinking about getting into uh, some saddle hunting. And then week four will be an Exodus render package. And if you're not sure what the Exodus render is, that is their new cell camera, which should be shipping soon. You'll automatically be entered with any purchase on the website for the grand prize. There's a lot to this campaign, so you'll want to just head over to their website and, and uh, make uh, make sure you get signed up on their newsletter because you won't want to miss out on these killer uh, opportunities. Also, I'll have the Velvet Fest calendar highlights and all the details. We'll have all those uh, all that information on their website as well, and that's ExodusOutdoorGear.com. If you're not familiar with Exodus, you know you've heard me talk about them over and over. I'll give you the, a quick Cliff Notes version of who they are. And and why I think they're rad. So they've overall they've been um, on the market for four years, and they've consistently showed they build quality trail cameras that flat out just work. I've had some of my cameras in the timber for years without failure. Of course, the best trail camera warranty in the industry period as well. So every single camera is backed by a five year warranty, and even comes with a theft and damage coverage. That's right. You heard that correctly. Five years, literally half a decade, you'll be covered by Exodus five year warranty. But more than likely, you won't need it because as I mentioned, the cameras are rock solid and they're built to last. So be sure to take part in the Velvet Fest celebration. Be sure to tag myself. That's at Truth from the Stand because I want to see what you guys are up to this summer. So be sure to head over to ExodusOutdoorGear.com. Now, without further ado, let's get John on the line. All right, folks, welcome back to another episode of the Truth from the Stand Deer Hunting Podcast. I am joined by my brother from another mother. Johnny, by God, Utah, hailing from the great state of Iowa, Laplander. What's going on, man? Yeah. What's up, brother? How are you? <laughs> You're down there by that Des Moines. How's the, how's the Des Moines? Yeah. The Des Moines River. The, the Des Moines River. What's going on, man? How you been? Man, I'm talking like whirlwind. Uh, life has been crazy, moving in every direction, traveling, not sleeping. <laughs> Um, I'm covering all the bases I mean, between work and travels and moving and packing. And, um, my daughter graduated from high school, you know, a couple weeks ago. It's just, it's been hectic. Yeah, dude. It's, uh, you're, you're well caffeinated as we were talking before we started recording. You're, you're all hopped up. Extremely. On so if I talk fast during the podcast, I'm sorry. Right. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yeah, yeah, man, you've been a you've been a busy dude, man. You've got a lot you you got a lot going on. It seems like this happens every time of year, though, man. Like every year, like we get through hunting season, it's like I'm always kind of I don't want to say stressed out, but like hunting season, there's a lot going on, right? Because you know, as we always oh, say, yeah, it's like yeah. you know we're working dudes, you know, um, you know. So I, I do a lot of hunting on the weekends, of course, right? In Pennsylvania, hopefully it changes, but just Saturday hunting. So it's like I'm always out Saturdays hunting, which is like the one day a week that have time to like do things around the house and take care of, you know, the responsibilities that you don't get to during the week and stuff. And so I'm usually yep. slightly stressed during that time of the year. And then I get done with, you know, with that, you get through the holidays and stuff. And it's always kind of like a nice little reprieve where it's like, okay, cool. 
you know, hunting season's gone. So it's like, I don't have to prioritize getting in the timber. I can kind of take care of like my personal stuff. And then you kind of get used to that, like flow for like a minute where it's like, you know, when you have time to address hunting stuff, you do, it's still important, but it's, you know, it's not front of mind necessarily. And sure. then, and then you hit this time of year where it's like turkey season wraps up and then it's like, holy shit, it's June. It's like full go deer work, get your shit together, get your cams out, food plots, make sure you're shooting your bow enough, oh, yeah. <laughs> changing your gear, making sure your gear's ready for the year, strategizing, you know, and it's like, I always forget how, I almost feel like this time of year might be more stressful than a hunting season for me. What do you think? Yeah. I mean, um, I mean, during the hunting season, let's face it, we, the, the stressful part is just, you know, you're getting up early and, uh, and you might not be getting your sleep in. And, um, but for the most part, like for, for, you know, a lot of people, you're, your pack is is all crammed full with all the gizzards and gadgets that you're going to take into the timber, and you pretty much have your game plan set, and it's just a matter of going out and doing it. Um, and it, to me, it never seems as hectic because, like in turkey season, you you go and you sit, and so you're really not running around and and, and doing anything too crazy. Um, but yeah, as soon as the season ends, I'm like you. I, I, I'm like, well, all right. Now we get a little bit of a lull for a little while, you know, but no, it's, it seems like every year there's, there's more food plots to do. There's more trail cameras to run and, and you're always looking for new ground. You're always wanting to scout, never settle, which yep. is a good thing, right? Yep. Um, so you're always looking for new stuff. And, and I'm like you, this is always my wife. She kind of looks at it like, well, if, if it's not hunting season, then I can add to the honeydew list. Yep. So I'm trying to earn brownie points for the fall now. Yep. So I'm doing these honeydew lists. And for us this year, it's, it's moving, um, is one of the big tasks at hand. Um, so you're, you're doing that, but I'm going, ah, man, but I, I need to get this food plot in and, oh yeah, I still got to make money and, and earn a living. So, oh yeah, it, I think it's actually more hectic in the so-called off season than during the hunting season. Yeah, I, I agree with that. And part of it is, is like, you know, at least for my day job, it's, you know, marketing or whatever, but it's, it, when you build the strategy, that's kind of the, the, I won't, it's the hard part, but it's the part that takes like a lot of thoughtfulness, right? So it's a lot of thinking, analyzing, stressing, re-evaluating, like those types of things. And for me, that's this time of year for hunting season where it's like, I'm not out executing the plan. You know, but I sure as I sure as hell could screw myself really badly this time of year by not making the right plans, <laughs> so to speak. You know what I mean? So in that way, it's almost more stressful because once you get to the execution phase, it's like you're, of course, you're like reading sign and you're and you're trying to work hot sign and you're trying to be mindful and and make plays as you kind of go. Um, but you usually kind of lay out a course, right? It's like you've scouted the properties you want to scout. You started formulating a plan. You started figuring out what your access is going to be all those things that when it comes time to hunting season, you're just kind of like, you know, start to put the, uh, the full frontal assault on, so to speak. So, but speaking of deer work, man, what do you, uh, what's, uh, what have you been doing in the deer woods lately? Um, I've got, I've got a couple of mineral sites, uh, going on, uh, going on the lease down the road and, uh, got some cameras on them. Um, they're starting to get some good activity. They're nice. pounding it. Um, so that's, that's good. And I've got that two acre food plot over there on that lease. Mm. And I, you know, anybody who's was looking at any form of news, 
uh, saw the torrential rains and the flooding and stuff that we had, you know, in the Midwest. And it rained, oh, uh, I'm going to say it rained every every day for about three weeks. Um, we so, might've had one day of sunshine in the middle. Um, but then the next day we'd get caught back up cause we'd get like three and a half inches, you know, overnight. Geez. But, um, my road, um, in front of the house was five foot underwater. And fortunately, you know, my house sits upon a hill, so we yeah. were fine, but it took forever for that plot to dry out. And, and I was getting ready to go on a road trip to go do some photo work. And I had one day that I could get this plot in. So we finally got the plot tilled up. Uh, I feel so bad. I had some, some buddies of mine that were helping me and they brought over a tractor and they got about halfway through the plot and they spun the yoke, uh, the universal joint out of the yoke. And so they had to take that tractor out of there and that tiller and then come back with a different tractor and a different tiller. And, but we ended up working well, well past dark. Yeah. Um, Dude. and actually ended up, broadcasting some beans and cold packing in the dark nice as long as i've known you i've uh, there's been multiple times where you've been planting broadcasting and finishing up in the dark i think this might be two years in a row this has happened to you yeah yeah it's man it's one of those things that you try to cram as much as you can into one day and um is it, is it murphy the murphy's law that's like, it. If it can go wrong it will go wrong is that yeah um so yeah i mean it just never fails um but, and then, you know, this time of year, yeah, the, the days are getting a little longer. Um, but at the same time, when it starts, the sun starts to go down, you're like, okay, sun's just now going down. We're good. And then 30 minutes later, it's pitch black. And you're like, oh, crap. Yeah. So turn the headlights on and keep on trucking. But because um, I was, this was on Sunday and, and I knew that I was leaving at like 7 a.m. on Monday morning. Um, so, and if I didn't get it done then, I knew I was going to be gone throughout the week. And then when I got home, like I, I just, I got home at four, four thirty AM today. And, um, this is the day before house closing. So I knew I was going to be stuck doing some final packing and, and that kind of stuff. But, uh, I'm like, yeah, if I don't get the plot in today, like it's probably going to be like mid to late June before I get another window to get this in. So right. we got it in, um, I like doing the broadcast method. You know, if you don't have that, I, sure, a, a drill is, is ideal. But um, I've had very good success with getting a good seed bed uh, with a tiller and doing the broadcast method. Just, you know, you need to go a little bit heavy. Uh, I, I shoot for about 125% of what I normally would plant. So mm -hmm. this plot is like 1.8 acres. So instead of um, 50 pounds per acre, I went um, 100 pounds for the full 1.8 acres. And then I went very, very thin in the center of the plot because I actually did a strip um, about 20 yards wide um, of corn, of Roundup Ready corn in the middle of this plot. So that's okay. what we're trying. Uh, that's, that's my plan is uh, to do beans and corn in the same plot. I'll actually have some beans in the corn. And, um, it's a little late on corn. I realize that. Um, but I also have full intention of broadcasting, uh, some bean or, uh, some, the, actually the real world deadly dozen. Yeah. So that's the combo mix of collards and turnips and rape and, you know, everything in there. So yeah. I'm going to do that later on at the end of summer, but, uh, should be, should be an awesome, awesome food plot. 
Nice, man. Yeah, because I think last year, I think you actually even had your boys out with headlamps on helping you wrap up, if I'm not mistaken. I did. <laughs> I did. Boys, I grab did. your headlamps. We Dad's going to get the there. seat in. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I had the boys wearing headlamps, and I was in the side-by-side with uh, <laughs> with the headlights on. And uh, one of the boys was driving me, and I was sitting on the back of the side-by-side, had the tailgate down, and I was broadcasting as he was driving. <laughs> nice. <laughs> That's it's a family affair, man. It's a family affair. Dude, we brought Kentucky to Iowa. That's what I'm saying. That's all man. I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. You're you're fitting in down there along the D <laughs> down there on the uh, decimal ones, <laughs> fitting in. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, you had better luck with your plot than I did, man, because mine was pretty. Mine was pretty bad um, as far as getting it in. Cause yeah, it, you said you're having trying to get equipment down there and then dude, with the rain and yeah. timing just kind of messed you up. Yeah, I mean, the challenge is, is like the old man lives, you know, in, in the Carolinas. And so he has limited time to come up. And so he was up, you know, yep. over the Memorial Day weekend. And we have a side by side with like a, you know, a, a basically a disc on the back of it. And, you know, last year when I planted the fall plot, I killed it off first and, you know, we spun it up and it, took a little work, but it got done and it was good to go. Uh, this year, you know, I went in the winter, did some fertilizing, liming, and then threw some clover on it just, you know, just to see if it would come up and see if there would be anything there for green, uh, spring green up. And sure enough, it came up like gangbusters. And then he went in to try to, you know, disc it up. And I didn't kill anything off this year because we were using, you know, Don's soybeans and they're, you know, glyphosate safe. So I was like, cool. I was like, one less step. We'll just till it up. We'll plant it, you know, get it broadcasted. Then I'll go back, you know, month or so later, however long later, when it gets to be about six inches and I'll go over it and spray it all and kill off all the weeds. And, uh, he got up there and tried to till it up and it was just like, the equipment just isn't enough to till up some, some live foliage just wasn't going to, wasn't going to happen. So plan B was to just let the, let the clover there and probably go in in the fall with some oats and, uh, throw some grain in it, uh, as a, you know, like a, I guess a cover crop, if you will, you know, and then that can come up, you know, over the winter and then, We'll probably knock that down next year. I'm going to try possibly using the more, you know, quote unquote organic kind of buffalo method is what I'd like to do. But I think the silver lining here is, is that the old man kind of recognized that that probably isn't the best solution and in, in the best way to use that small field that we have. So we're actually yep. have a larger field that he was like, why don't we just use that? It's on top of the property and we'll mm-hmm. actually get a crimper, crimp that. And, and that one's actually probably closer to like an acre and a half, maybe two acres. And so I think we're going to plant beans on top up there next year. And so we're going to basically take this year to reset. He needs to get a tractor because he's got some work to do down there. So he's like, I'm going to get a tractor this year. And, um, you know, and then we'll actually have the equipment that we need to get stuff done. Then we'll actually probably be able to do a, uh, just, you know, rent a no-till from the, from the co-op in our county and, uh, actually go yep. in and no-till it, which will be nice. So, yeah. So this year, I think I'm just going to ride dirty this year with just leaving the clover as it is and then probably just doing an overseed in the late summer. And uh, so there's something there for the winter and then uh, let it go. But it's like, I think about this though, man, it's like I do all this stuff down there and it's like I don't get back very often. And then this year I'm coming out to see you. So I'm literally probably going to hunt that property. Like if I get two hunts on that property, that'll be probably the max this year. So Yeah, I mean, between Ohio and, and Iowa, I mean, a lot of your falls kind of consumed i mean that's that's a solid three weeks between those two properties alone yeah yeah two locations yeah exactly and then i've got you know speaking of like burning it at both ends you were saying you know earlier just about 
you know, trying to find more property and scouting the new properties and always trying to have, you know, additional plans to make moves to. You can spread yourself too thin. Yeah. And so I got this buddy, it's a blessing and a curse. There's a, this, uh, a fellow by the name of Jesse. He's good friends with Chad Sylvester. He used to live around where I live and he, you know, got a hold of Chad and was like, Hey, you know, I used to live down by your buddy, Clint, you know, he lives in Iowa or in Ohio now. He's like, I got some really good spots where I killed some really good deer and had seen some really good deer. I'd like to get a hold of him and maybe turn him on to some spots or whatever. And so Chad was like, give him a call. You know, so he's, he and I have been texting and he's turned me on to like three or four new spots that I've gone and scouted that look freaking awesome for Pennsylvania. You know what I mean? Like where he's seen some legit, you know, good, good deer. And, uh, when I got in there and looked at some sign, it's like, I could see, yes, there's some legit good deer here. So, you know, that's, I think this year there's one, two, three, four, at least four, five, actually, there's five new pieces that I have on top of what I had here last year. So I think I have six pieces to hunt in the, just around my house now. So I've been spending time trying to scout those. So I'm doing exactly what you're saying, which is like, I'm starting to spread myself a little thin. And I was thinking that this past week, I probably need to start prioritizing where I'm going to aggregate cameras and try to p- pick the best spots. So, yeah. Yep. So speaking of, uh, yeah, no. And, and I've been in that situation, um, Go ahead. Spread and spread myself amongst different states and different properties, and then it seems like it forces that cat and mouse situation. You know, it's just it's inevitable. Yeah. You're hunting in Ohio, and and I do a card pull, and I'm like, if I wouldn't have gone to Ohio that day, I would have had a you know that deer came right underneath my tree stand, you know, back in Kentucky, and right. yeah. So it's it can happen. Yeah, my other buddy was he trying. Uh, not trying to convince me, but he invited me to, to Kentucky actually to hunt with him. Uh, Josh Prophet, actually, I don't know if you ever ran. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's good people. Um, you know, I talked to him a little bit about possibly hunting with him and I just don't know. I'm going to just don't know if it's going to be in the cards this year. Cause I would love to go down, but it's one of those things where it's like, it'd be an early season hunt, probably September. And I'm like, man, Iowa for two weeks. Am going to try to slide out to Ohio for at least a couple days. Maybe, you know what I mean? Like a, a long weekend. And then if I tried to slip Kentucky in there too and hunt around my house, I was like, I might have to come live with, with you after that, after this season is what it is. Yeah. Actually, when I came out to Iowa to hunt, I'd probably just bring all my stuff and just move in at that point. I don't think the wife would take yeah. it back. <laughs> so, yeah. But, uh, yeah, the, um, yeah, you know, it's funny because looking, looking at this year as a whole, um, when the year started, you know, and it's probably on one of the earlier podcasts that we did at the start of the year. I was like, yeah, yeah, I think I'm just, think I'm just going to hunt Iowa. That's all I'm going to do is just focus on Iowa this year and not really doing any traveling, nothing West. And, and, uh, this year starting to fill up, um, yeah. just in the last, last little bit. Um, I've got a, a Canada bear hunt that's going to happen in August. Um, there's a very, very strong possibility of a Colorado, um, archery, uh, October mule deer hunt. Nice. Um, and on my recent travel, the place I was at yesterday, I was in, I was in Southern Ohio and, uh, good buddy of mine, Tevis McCauley from Whitetail Heaven Outfitters, uh, said, Hey, why don't you, why don't you hunt in Southern Ohio, uh, right in the people's, uh, area which, um, you remember the, uh, remember Donnie Wilson? Yeah. Um, Donnie, the place he used to guide, um, their, uh, real McCoy outfitters and 
White Tail Heaven, they have property. Their their properties basically butt up to each other almost. Okay. Um, so it's right there in that same area where Donnie was guiding hunts and stuff. So he's like, hey, I think you, uh, I think you ought to come to Ohio and hunt with us this year. So there's no telling what's going to happen this fall. <laughs> I know, right? It's uh, well, it could be another season. I go travel all over the place and <laughs> don't kill much. But. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Well, let's let's hope that that turns out differently than that. I, I'm just hoping, fingers are crossed that I, I as long as I draw my Iowa tag, I, I I won't care about much else. You know what I mean? As far as like where else I get to go hunt, like you know, of course I'll be in PA, but you know, I'd like to get. Well, to, I mean, that's going to be the premier hunt because yeah. you're coming to hunt and hang out with me. Well, well. that's that's it. Yeah, I mean, I, I'd probably be more disappointed that I didn't draw my Iowa tag because I don't get to come see you versus the hunting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, if you even bring your bow, I mean, you know, that's the secondary. Yeah, I'll probably just leave that at home. I mean, I could, you know, yeah. I'll take a flight instead, you know, instead of drive. Um, but yeah, uh, as, funny. as long as I get that, no, I'll, it'll be it, it'll be a good time, man. I'm looking forward to it. You know, I'm I'm looking forward to to seeing you, you know, head out and scout out some pieces and you know do your thing. Um, and, and I'm also looking forward to us jumping in the tree together. I mean, yeah. this will be the first season of my life of my whole hunting life that, um, I don't have a day job right. necessarily. Like yeah. I don't have a nine to five. Yeah. Um, so I'm actually going to have the flexibility to hunt. I don't know. It might be kind of weird. You it know what I mean? Weird. Like I might, have an abundance of time where I'm, you know, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see how it goes. Well, and now it's like that whole thing that we talk about during the season we lament or that we've lamented in the past, which is like, I would love to get out today because today was the perfect weather day, but I got X, Y, and Z that I got to get done. I've got this meeting, you know, and it's like, of course the meetings are happening like from noon to four thirty. you know what I mean? Or whatever it is mm-hmm. where it's like, you can't get out for the evening or whatever the case is. You know, and that's always been kind of, you know, that's the challenge with, you know, having a, the the normal nine to fiver is that, you know, I can take a day off next week if I want to. Right. But it's like, is that going to be the right day to take off? I don't know. <laughs> right. You right. Know, that's the whole. Yeah. That's the whole bitch of it. You know, it's. Uh, yeah. You, you pick a day. You're like, all right, uh, I'm going to take off Wednesday and Thursday next week. And I'm going to hunt both those days and be stress free and just hang out in a tree and just and enjoy myself. And then Wednesday, Thursday rolls around the next week and it's pouring down rain. Yeah, exactly. And you got off from work, so you're like, well, looks like I'm hunting anyway, you know, which isn't terrible to Yeah, yeah, hunt, yeah. Hunt what are you going to do, but, you know? You know, it's, but I, I definitely don't like to hunt in pouring down rain. I don't mind a little bit of rain, but I definitely don't want to sit in a sucker, you know? Here's the deal. There's guys are going to, you know, people are like, oh, man, I don't care. 50 mile an hour winds, two and two inches of rain an hour. It don't matter. Biggest buck in my life I ever saw was in the rain. I'm going to tell you right now, I do not like to hunt in the rain. If it's raining, but I know that it's a good day or it's a day that I have free and I'm not working, I'm sitting in a blind. Right. That's what I'm doing. Yeah, that's the one thing. Like, for me, it's like I, I don't like to hunt whenever it's gnarly rain. You know what I mean? Like, that's the one time that I don't really like to hunt. A little bit of rain, like if it's spitting, you know what I mean? A little bit of... Oh you know, yeah, a little drizzle. Yeah, yeah a little yeah, drizzle. I'll, like, I'll, I'll tough that out. Yeah, I'll power through that. Like if it's just going to be like a deluge all day, where it's just going to be a soaker all day, I'm kind of with you. Where it's like, 
I'm not real, not real into it unless, unless it's going to clear up. Right. Like if I see that there's going to be a pocket, oh, I love being out there as soon as it stops raining. Yeah. Sure. It's like, I'll go in and get wet, you know what I mean? And sit there for two hours. So I'm in my tree. It rains after I've walked in. So my ground sense washed away, you know what I mean? Like everything. And I'll sit and get wet for like, Oh yeah, it's ideal. Yeah. Two hours or so to know that like, Hey man, it's going to stop at like one o'clock and then I'm going to have an afternoon of like perfect weather. The wind's going to be right. Every the sense going to be all the sense going to be washed out. It's going to be like nothing ever happened in that spot. Um, now I will do will do that. But I've been that idiot in the past where it's like I literally the one year sat in a uh, we had our an east coast hurricane or a, a northeast coast hurricane during hunting season the one year and like we had some pretty pretty bad winds you know at our family property so pretty far inland right so it wasn't like typical hurricane type winds necessarily but you know we had thirty mile per hour plus winds and I was. I sat in a tree in driving rain all day, and that was the last time I did it. I was like, yeah, that was pretty dumb. I, was like, <laughs> I, I didn't see a damn deer, but it was like, you know, it was like the second weekend of it, and, you know, I was like, I, I just want to go deer hunt. I don't care. And so I just got into the tree, and I sat there all day, and it was the worst hunt of my life. And so that was the last time. It was the last time I've But done you it. came home, and you're like, loved every minute of it. Oh, yeah. Well, because it was so – it was kind of funny because it was back home, of course, and so it was with some of the uh, – the old timers that I sometimes hunt with down at the, down at the camp or whatever. And so they were just like, boy, I can't believe you sat out in that all day. You know? And I'm like, why is that? And they're like, you're, you're one tough SOB. So I earned some stripes with the old timers, you know what I mean? For sitting out in the, uh, in the crap weather. But they also were kind of looking at me like, you're an idiot. You know? So yeah. it was a, uh, it was a little bit of both, but. Oh, and I've heard those stories. Like, you know, I've, I've had buddies that, you know, they claim the biggest buck they ever saw in their life was on a rainy day or the biggest buck they ever saw was on a really high, high wind day. Mm-hmm. I get it. But there was also 99 other times that they didn't see a single deer on those extremely windy or extremely rainy days. Yeah, so I mean, I think well, the it, 1% odds just doesn't, that's just not enough for me to go sit out there and be miserable, you know? Right, right. And I also think and ruin. You know, five thousand dollars worth of camera gear. Right. Yeah. Know, there's there, time, so. you have a whole different kind of scenario that you're dealing with there too. But I think it also depends on what time of year, though. You know what I mean? Because like you know, thinking about talking sure. with Don Higgins, you know, it's like, and I know for him, late season, it's like he wants the crappiest weather he can possibly get. Give me high wind, give me rain, give me snow, give me blisteringly cold. That's the day I want to be out in the stand. You know, yeah. and so for me, it's like, yeah, that that makes sense. I don't know, like, October 17th, if that still works. You know what I mean? Like, I just don't yeah. know. And I'm not saying it to be a smart-ass, like, I know something someone else doesn't or whatever. I legitimately just don't know. Sure. You know what I mean? Like, Well, it, and I think also it comes into play um, if, if it's really, really cold and really nasty weather the first day, okay, maybe I don't sit. Mm-hmm. But if it's been really, really crappy weather for three or four days mm-hmm. and, and you know, then it becomes a situation where I say, all right, I know the deer eventually, I mean, they're going to have to start coming to food or there's a certain source where I know they're going to have to start moving to and going to then sure. Then I'm a little more apt to, um, to you know, to tough it out. Right. Or, you know, where there's a piece of high ground. If it's like, you know, if it's, you're in a swampy area, if you know there's like a specific area that's going to stay dry no matter yeah, what. Yeah, yeah. That area's flooding out, and I'm like, okay. Because, yeah. I mean, let's face it, that's what it all comes down to is, you know, you're you're trying to go where they are, and 
yeah. if you're hunting a piece that's 300 acres and, and you know, well, there's a hundred acre of swamp on there. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I just eliminated 33% of where they're going to be. Yeah. My odds have just improved if I go to the high ground. So yeah, yeah. There are certain, you know, circumstances that'll change that. But yeah, as a, as a blanket rule, yeah, I'm not much for the just torrential downpour sets. Yeah. I don't like that. I've also found it challenging. <laughs> I've also found it more challenging just in the sense of like, you know, when I hunted predominantly out of a stand, it's like I had a pretty slick tree umbrella that I like to use that was small enough, but it would keep me out of the rain, which was, you know, and I could tolerate it. You know what I mean? It was, it was, uh, uh-huh, yeah, yeah. and, uh, now in a saddle because of the way I'm kind of set up, you know, leaning back, it's like, I tried to use that same, I tried to use that same umbrella with my saddle set up and I just, I just basically got wet. Um, so that yeah. I haven't yep. quite figured out what my solution is. Cause I mean, the, the, the honest truth is, is like, I don't like wearing rain gear whenever I'm set up. Like, I don't mind wearing it in like to, you know, to hike in, you know, or hike out or whatever, to stay, to stay dry while I'm getting in. But usually what I want to do is I want to basically take it off and stuff it in my pack. Or I literally want to take it and like stuff it underneath something that under or at the base of my tree, which maybe not might be the best idea, you know, cause there's scent on it or whatever, but my idea is that the rain is basically washing me clean as I'm walking in. Hopefully my rain gear too. I'm sure someone probably has an opinion on that, but the, uh, you know, I don't like to wear rain gear whenever I'm set up to hunt. I just don't, I like to have as little crap on me as I can kind of manage as few clothes as I can possibly manage and stay warm and stay dry. So, so I have to figure out what my setup is going to be for the saddle for that, because I haven't figured that, uh, that Rubik's cube out yet, but to be continued, I guess. Right. The, uh, but I know we're, you know, in the, in the throes of, you know, cam season, right? So we're, we're, we're now, you know, as our, as our boys, Chad and those guys are just camera po- folks in general. We're on that velvet fest trip now. Um, yep. so how, how is your cam deployment going? Are you, uh, are you, have you got all your cams out? You put them out now, you waiting a little bit longer. What's your deal? Uh, I'm waiting a little bit right now. Um, I just put a couple of cameras out on some mineral. Uh, that's all I've got out right now. Um, I've got two on my lease and I have two over on, uh, my buddy Randy from Beetlejuice, mm-hmm. uh, two over on his big farm on some mineral sites over there. And normally I would have two, at least two more on my home property. And since I'm selling my home property, um, there's no no need to right. deploy those cameras right now. Um, now, now that I've got my plot in, um, I'll probably throw a couple more cameras up on the plot uh, once it starts germinating, mm-hmm. and um, and then I'll start going through my normal trail camera placement in some of my bottoms, some of the draws. Um, but at the end of June is. Um, when I'm going to head into head into Shimmick and start hanging a bunch of cameras in the okay. public land, I've kind of set that as my uh, that's my window where I want to start to start getting out there and nice. and and playing playing a little bit. You know, right. I got some more I got more travels and I got to get past this move first. <laughs> right, right, and of course I have I have vested interest in what you're going to see on those cameras and on the uh, on the public of course exactly you know? exactly well it's like just truth be told in full transparency to everyone out there listening it's like John and I were talking on the phone whatever it was two two three days ago quickly while I was 
you were driving and I was driving, I think. So, cause we only yeah, talk, yeah. we only talk on the phone when we're driving. Um, yeah. and, <laughs> and, uh, I was like, we're talking and I was like, <laughs> I was like, how do I bring this up and not sound like an asshole? And I was like, Hey, so when you, yeah. when you go to put some gamers out on that public, yeah, no. And, and yeah, you need no, me to send just you tell everybody Glenn's like, so, um, do you need any extra cameras? Uh, and I'm like, no, no, I'm, I, you know, I'm good. I, you know, I don't know. I was looking in the box the other day and I think I'm, I don't know, two dozen cameras, trail cameras or something like that. And I'm right. like, and with, you know, without putting a bunch of cameras on my home property, I'm going to have a lot extra as well to put out on the public. Clint's like, um, yeah, like, are you going to hang in some trail cameras like on this property and this property? And are you going to go over to this public? And <laughs> I basically, I basically uh, stopped. I'll do the best I can. <laughs> I basically stopped short of like sending Clint's you GPS. trying to get me to go hang trail cameras on all the places he wants to hunt all over. Totally. I basically stopped short of like sending you GPS coordinates of like, Hey, remember when we dropped yeah, this? Pin yeah. Here? I said, yeah. I sent you a bunch of GPS coordinates. If you can go, uh, hang hang cameras and then check them every three weeks, that'd be awesome. Right. right. <laughs> and upload everything that you get from there. Well, I did convene. I did. Uh, if, if so. <laughs> so I did, if you remember, I don't remember how long ago it was, maybe two months ago. I was like, hey, have you ever used that software? And I'll just give them a plug because John, this guy, John Livingston, is an awesome dude. He owns the company Deer Lab. Um, and I've used the software before to, to aggregate pictures. And so, you know, I have a have a, an account with, with them that I can kind of track multiple properties with multiple camera locations and so on and so forth. And I called you, we were talking a couple months ago, and I was like, hey, have you ever used Deer Lab? And you were like, yeah, I've seen it before. I think I've, I've used it in the past. And I was like, yeah, it does all this stuff, blah, 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 blah. And I was like, hey, you know, for all the stuff in, you know, in Iowa, I was like, you know, we can just have an Iowa, like, part of the account where we can map all the cameras. <laughs> like, that way I can see all the pictures. So, yeah, it wasn't, uh, I wasn't very smooth about it. So. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. No, no, no. Hey, and, and that, is, that is cool technology. Um, yeah. I dig it. I, I actually really would like to um, to start using that stuff. There's some there's some really good benefits to it, uh, without a doubt, and, and especially on the public stuff. Um, yeah. My problem is, yeah, there's always a couple of cameras that I I run almost year round, um, but on public I move the cameras a whole lot. You know, I okay. it's so vast, it's so big. I, it seems like I'm always moving stuff around. You know, there. Right. When do you start moving your cameras? I mean, is it basically, do you wait till they go hard horned or, do you, or do you, are you still moving them even when you're doing just inventory? Um, well, it, if I deploy something and I'm seeing good activity or a good buck, then I might not move that camera. But if I've had that camera soaking for a month and there's just nothing on it, um, outside of getting that gut feeling like I just know this is a rut draw, right. then I might leave it. But if it's not a rut draw to begin with, then, um, 
then yeah, I'll go ahead and just abandon ship and move it, you know? Right. Yeah. For, the technology is cool. If people out there haven't checked it out, you should totally go check it out. Uh, it's, it's, it's pretty rad. I will say this. It's like, I used it very early. Uh, I, I think very early in their life cycle and it was good then. Um, but I think I got too enamored with it cause I am a little bit of a data geek, you know? And so I think I started making, putting too much credence into what it was telling me versus just letting it be a piece of the puzzle. Um, and so yep. I think now, you know, I, I used it, I, I don't, I didn't use it at all. No, I did. I didn't use it last year. I did use it the year before cause Chad and I were using it for the one property in Ohio. Um, I didn't use it last year and I felt like, you know, a year away from it. I, I kind of now understand like how it's going to, how it's going to help me versus being kind of a, how I, how I'm making my decisions. It's just going to be part of it. Um, because sure. you can, you can get a little overwhelmed with the amount of information that's in there. Right. Cause I mean, you get it pulls everything from your camera image, right? From a weather station nearby. Mm -hmm. So you get everything from like pressure to wind speed to moon phase to, you know, a heat map that literally will show you where a specific, specific buck is showing up continuously. So you can kind of triangulate like where he might be betting based on where you're catching him and what time of day, what time of day or night you're catching him. Um, and I think they even up the ante and I'm not sure if it came out yet, but I think they're going to have, uh, some type of like AI recognition to where like once you lo load a buck, it'll be able to pick up some type of feature from that buck as long as the pictures of a certain quality, I guess. And it'll be able to kind of figure out when you upload the, another picture of that buck, it will recognize that that's him, which is interesting. Wow. Freaky yeah. stuff. Yeah, man. So it's, it's some next level stuff, you know, it's like, and I'm not sure when that's coming out. I know John mentioned that that was, I think on the horizon for this hunting season. Um, I honestly haven't logged back in in probably like two months or so because I haven't had any trail camera pictures, of course, to load. But the other good thing it does, too, is it archives everything. So you have deer in there that you can keep year over year, keep tabs on them. And then when they're dead, I think you can, you know, or when they disappear, you can mark them gone, you know, and kind of archive it. Um, oh, there you go. That's cool. Yeah, yeah. So it's pretty it's pretty slick. But, yeah, for me, it's I, I started going out to all these different public pieces and hanging cameras. I scouted a brand new piece last week. Um, and actually jumped a buck. So two new pieces that I've, that I've, um, scouted in the past, I guess, month, I jumped a buck uh, and found a bed on both of them. So that's a good sign. I'm pretty stoked about that. You know, that. some data I would like to, I would like to get, um, what percentage of bucks in the three to say six year class, and it might have to be like three to four year olds and then five to six year olds. Um, what, what percentage of bucks end up hanging out, you know, October and November in the same areas that they hung out June, July, August, September. Yeah, that would be interesting. I mean, I'm sure someone like, well, I, I think you would have to put some parameters around what in the same area means during that time of year, only because I know I went to a, a seminar and this was a couple of years ago now where, um, some biologists, uh, deer biologists from Penn state from you know, Pennsylvania state university who has a pretty big, uh, wildlife biology program there. And they do to do a ton of research. Um, they're kind of, I think they're kind of part and parcel to like MSU deer lab folks. You know, it's kind of like the same, same caliber. Um, and I've, and they did a presentation at this seminar basically on, on buck travel, you know, and as like the season goes, what their travel looks like. And so the, the, the net net of it was, was that they all, 
expand their range to some degree for the most part, right? And I think what we would have to do is quantify what what same range means at time of year because they're all expanding, right? And yeah. so yeah. it just depends if they're if their fall range, if any part of that overlaps where their summer range was, and you then you could say, yes, there's their core area still encompasses that, but it just now sure, has expanded sure. beyond it. But I think that it is interesting, right? Because I think we've all hunted bucks that we saw in a bean field on our family farm, or we saw, you know, in a field somewhere, or we caught on a camera in, in early summer or whatever and then we ended up finding him during the rut or we or we saw him during you know mid-october when he should have already dispersed you know what i mean yeah and so i I think that there is a percentage of them that stick around and i think the other interesting thing too man is like i've like when you talk to guys like higgins or sturgis or Enfold or any of these dudes who just get it done regularly right and kind of think like a deer Mm -hmm. it's almost like when they get as they get older, you know, and I think this might be what you're driving at, like they start to move less and less, right? Like that's I, exactly. And that's why I was saying, yeah. you know, to have it broken down into the three and four year olds and then the five, six year olds and yeah. see how much smaller that home range gets. Yeah. Cause I was just listening to something from Don or reading something from Don the other day where he was talking about, you know, you know, when you get those three year olds, like they're still a little bit full of, full of piss and vinegar and they'll make a mistake during the rut. Like they're driven by, this is the way he put it. He's like three-year-olds and even some four-year-olds are still during the rut. And I'm just going to speak about the rut specifically now, but are driven by breeding. Like they're just, they're they're crazy for it, right? Like they're like come hell or high water, they're going to move for, for the rut. They're going to move to try to find a girlfriend, right? He said, you know, his experience has been with those deer that get up into that, some four-year-olds, but, mostly five, six and seven year olds, you know, and like for me it's like in PA, it's like I'm maybe I never see a seven year old, who knows? But when you get to that point, he was said they are no no longer during rut are they driven by breeding. They are still primarily and solely driven year round by survival and cover. Yeah. Same food thing. and survival. Yeah. yeah. He's like and that's it. And then it's almost like a a breeding of opportunity. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I think that's also yeah. why you'll see them. And I, he also is a big believer in like the biggest deer are going to move later in the rut. So like when you get to that, you know, close to Thanksgiving time frame is when he really likes, if he's going to, if he hasn't got a monster on the ground yet and he's going to hunt the rut, like that's the time he likes to hunt because the big deer are going to move. Cause there's going to be fewer does that are coming into heat on that sure. second cycle. So. Yeah. Makes sense. Yeah. But that would be uh that would be pretty interesting. So but speaking of as we get prepared for the season, man, like what other kind of uh, what other things are you going through now for your for your process? Because I've been kind of diving deep into some like DIY modification of of my gear and getting stuff set up. But what are you what are you getting ready for this this time of year outside of cams and that stuff? Are you doing any gear prep? Or are you kind of reevaluating what you're using in the in the in the timber at this point? Uh, well, so I switched to. Um uh, I stayed with stokerized, but I switched up my stabilizer um, right before turkey season and very, very happy uh, with the new stabilizer. Um, I don't have any gear changes going on with the bow end of things. Uh, everything's the same. So nice. it's just going to be um, repeating um, That's good. You know what I, what I was doing there. And may have a broadhead change within G5, but... Um, it's still a, a three bladed, you know, fixed blade. So, mm-hmm. uh, there's, there's nothing, there's nothing major that I'm really, that I'm really changing up on that end. Um, 
hacks and uh, tree stands. Mm, I did okay. go through a uh, significant change, um, switching from Lone Wolf over to XOP. So mm-hmm. XOP is the is the official tree stand sponsor of Arrow Wild TV. And then me as an individual, I will be running a lot of XOPs, um, but I am also going to be running some Lone Wolf custom gear stuff. So nice. I got a text message from Cody um, just just earlier today, and he's like, hey, package coming next week. Nice. So um, super stoked about that. And he's like, do you want the short, the, the little shorty sticks or you want the full length sticks? And I said, ah, just give me the full length sticks, you know? Um, so that's what I'm going to be. So I'm going to be playing with that. And when I say pack stuff, you know, with them having that locking seat, yeah. uh, I'm going to be playing around with some different packs through mystery ranch, um, and, and Sitka, um, and just kind of getting, kind of getting my, my pack set up down, how I want to be mobile, um, and then uh, even go through the paces. If it's going to be long mobile, if it's going to be uh, a situation where I plan on sitting somewhere in the morning till midday, tear down, move, and have a mobile set up for the evening. How how's that going to look like? What do I want to do? And so that's going to be uh, that's going to be kind of my big uh, nice summer prep um, outside of the timber. You know. Right. Nice. Yeah. I've been, a lot of my prep at this point has been, you know, outside of the timber, outside of the, some of the scouting that I've done, which I've kind of tried to pace out through the, through the winter and the spring, early summer here, just so I don't overwhelm myself with it. But a lot of what I've been doing is just, is, you know, last year, of course, I hunted out of the saddle this year, you know, of course saddle again, but my downfall last year was really my climbing situation because I was using some long lone wolf sticks and they just weren't working. So I started playing around with some wild edge steps this year and a nader and a suader. Um, it's, it's really slick, man, but it, it takes a little bit to get used to. And it's one of those things where I just need to practice at it. And I think it could be really cool. Um, but what yep. I ended up doing, and I wasn't sure I was even going to like it, but I took one of my sticks, uh, one of my lone wolf sticks and I cut them down to 17 inches and started playing around with that. And, and I was like, you know what? screw it. I was like, I'm just going to cut all of them. And I was like, cause I'm not going to know if I'm going to like this or not until I cut all of them and try to climb with it. I was like, so mm-hmm. you know, it's a, uh, if I hate it, it looks like I'm going to have to buy another set of sticks. I was like, but you know, if I like it, then I'm, do you cut your three sticks down to down to two sticks, little stubbies? Yeah. So basically it's like, I can base it, I don't make two out of one. Essentially. I just, I cut it basically right below about an inch, inch and a half below where the second step is. So where your middle step would be. Yeah. Um, and, but then I, but then I flip it that way. My bursa button is hot, is closer to the top stick. So I flip my, my pegs around and stuff like that. So it's set up the right way. Um, so I cut three of them down. I left the fourth one long just because, you know, I didn't think I really would need the fourth one. And so I started using that. I swapped out all my, you know, straps with, uh, am steel, uh, rope, you know, for rope mods. Um, got a splicing kit, so I'm splicing all my am steel myself, which is cool. You know, I like doing projects like that. And then what I'm using is a five-step aider. And so I can basically take that one stick, my first stick at the bottom, hang it as high as I can get it to where I can basically just touch the very top step of the stick and hang my aider on that, climb up it, and that my first stick gets me at seven feet. And I can basically get seven foot per stick, so I can get I can get 21 feet with, with three sticks and an aider now. And that, nice. that cut my weight down to like, I think I'm at like five and a half pounds with it. And I can pack it to a small pack so it's not bulky. So I don't have to get a bigger pack. I don't have to use a bigger pack. Or I also made yep. like a stick caddy 
um, out of some tubular webbing, some 550 cord in a in a small um, carabiner that I can kind of wrap around it and it helps keep them tight together. I can just kind of throw them over my shoulder like a sling and around my back and carry it in. So yep. my whole setup now with, you know, if I carry a camera, you know, and the gear for that and I carry, you know, an Ozonics machine if I choose to take it into the timber or not that day, along with all my ropes and everything, it's like I'm at like right at 20 pounds with my pack and everything. Um, if I take the camera gear and stuff Extremely out. Extremely doable. Yeah, which I'm 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 down to like 15-ish pounds. If I take the camera and stuff out of my pack, I'm like sub 15 pounds, I think. So, yeah. you know, for, for me, for, you know, all the public that I hunt and everything's a hike in and stuff like that, it's it's working well for me. Um, I'm pretty stoked stoked about it. So I'm surprised you got the, the long sticks, man. I thought maybe you might go shorties. No, I mean, um, here, so here's, here's my, here's my friendly jab. I just work out more. <laughs> nice. <laughs> <laughs> well played. Um, no, I mean, I, I do, I, I geek out and, and I enjoy, uh, hearing like yourself and seeing your posts and stuff about cutting the weight down. And, and I just like the innovation side of it. Mm-hmm. I like seeing people, you know, make change and make mods and, you know, and with those haters and stuff like that, like that's super cool. Um, and I, and I dig all that stuff. I just, you know, I'll go, I'll go a couple of miles off the beaten trail. Um, but it's one of those situations for me, it seems like with the, with the, the camera arm and the camera equipment, um, you know, I'm lugging that stuff in already. Um, I'm just like, screw it. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, I mean, it's, <laughs> instead of spending all the time trying to shave weight, I'm like, I'll just lift more. Yeah. <laughs> There's, I mean, the thing is too, is like for me, and I'm just going to be a hundred percent honest. It's like, I was, a, I was shitty at setting up stands. Like, and, and that's just the uh-huh. honest truth of it. It's like, I could, I was never good at doing it super quiet. I just didn't yeah. have the patience for it. You know what I mean? Um, uh-huh. so saddle hunting, you know, and, using really, really small sticks has kind of been, I can move quickly with it and I don't make nearly as much noise. And that's just for me personally, because it's like, I don't have a lot of patience and, and I've just never been able to hang a tree stand really well and quietly. You know what I mean? Like I can hang a tree stand and it sits fine, but I, I'm damn sure probably going to make some noise, you know? And well, you know, and, and this goes back to, um, when I got into hang and hunt sets, um, I had one of the biggest noise Nazis in the world in, in Todd Brignitz. Mm, yeah. And, you know, he had me, you know, hockey tape and gaff tape, tape and carabiners, every metal buckle got mm. taped up and, um, uh, with moleskin or like I said, or hockey tape or something. And, uh, I remember the first time that I went to hang a set, thank God I had the width about me to do a, a trial run, mm-hmm. you know, in the backyard. And I think it took me like an hour <laughs> to put up four sticks in a, really? in a stand. And I'm like, this is, this is the dumbest thing in the world. You know, yeah. like this, uh, you know, this is never going to work. I tore it down, came back the next day and did it in like 30 minutes. And then the next day did it in like 20 minutes. And then the next day, 15 minutes. And you know what I mean? It mm-hmm. just kept getting faster and faster and faster. And then, you know, through repetition, it kept getting quieter and quieter. But, no, I, I, I'm right there with you. I mean, I guarantee you'll be in a tree faster than 
than than I will. It sounds like you know. Yeah. Um, it's it's pretty it's pretty it quick. With the, lead, with the less gear. Yeah, yeah. It's it's pretty quick, and for me, and this is the other thing I started thinking about too. Is I just started thinking about things holistically, and it's like I'm not a tall guy. You know, I'm like five nine, and so when I'm sure. when I'm carrying a full stick, it's like that's it's not heavy, of course, but it's it's a lot of length for me to wield in the tree. You yeah, know what I mean, yeah. especially hanging off the side of the tree or whatever. It's like, because I'm just not a tall dude in general. So if I can have something that's shorter that I can handle a lot easier, I'm going to make way less noise. And that was the first thing I noticed where it's like I got into the tree and I started putting sticks on. And I was like, man, this is just so much easier for me to, you know, to manage in the tree. You know, I was like, because I just, uh-huh. uh, it's not giving me nearly as many problems. Um, and that was kind yeah. of the first thing that I noticed. The one other mod I think I'm going to make, because I think I am going to cut my fourth stick down as a, what I'm just calling like a, an auxiliary stick or an alternative stick. And for, with that, what I'm, what I'm going to do is I'm going to take, once I cut it down and I flip the, and, and I flip the. Is it going to identify as a long stick or a short stick? It will, uh, it will, well, <laughs> you know, we have yet, <laughs> we have yet to figure that out. You know, we're going to have to see, you know, it might wrestle on the long stick diversion, uh, stick division, but identify as a short stick. Yep. You know what I mean? I get you. So. Okay. okay. <laughs> nice. Um, but what I'm going to do once I cut it down, I flip the pegs. The top peg, I'm actually going to buy a double, uh, you know, a double step peg to put on the top of that. That way, because there's a couple spots I can hunt on my way to work, and that was one of the other reasons why I went through making some of these mods because there's two properties I can hunt the way, on the way to work, and if I can, if my gear's set up in a way that I'm quick and I'm quiet, I can probably get in and out and hunt these places, you know before I go to work and not have to take a bunch of stuff and not have a bunch of stuff to tear out, you know, set up and tear down. So with that last stick and putting a double step on the top, I can probably actually leave my platform in the truck and not have to take it. And I'll just use that top stick as my platform and have my feet on the double step at the top. That way I'm removing the platform even yet, which is another three pounds, you know, and it's one less thing I have to set up. So it's like, once I get that third stick set, I'm, I'm in the tree already, you know? Um, which yeah. is just, which is nice. So that's what I've been up to for modding, man. I have a new bow sitting here. I have yet to set up. It's like, I'm such an asshole. I got a new bow sitting there, a new site, a new bow, and it's all sitting in my archery shop and I've yet to set it up or shoot it or anything. So I need it to hurt anything. What's that? I said, or anything. Yeah. Well, you got to get on that, man. Yeah, I know. I mean, I've been shooting my, the bow that I used last year and it's like, and I'm, I'm, I'm used to the back tension release shooting that well, good to go. But the new one, oh, I, just haven't, I just haven't had a chance to set up yet. So that's that'll happen, I think, the weekend of the 15th. I'm going to get that one set up and you know start shooting that, so we'll be set then. But So I think, man, yeah. that's kind of our deer update, dude. But we did have, uh, if you have a couple more minutes, man, we did have some uh, some folks write in with for some uh, listener Q&A we could, we could go through if, if you're game. Heck, yeah, I love the Q&As, man. I know. The Q&As that, are awesome. I know. I would actually do every podcast a Q&A if – if we could, I just think they're fun. I like yeah. to see what we need to get. Is. So people, if you, if you're listening, you know, surely there's two or three people listening to this podcast. Uh, man, two might be pushing it. We probably got one. <laughs> My mom. In totality of the week or something, you know, but right. send in some questions, send in some Q and A's. I mean, oddball stuff, gear stuff, tech stuff, geeky stuff, um, photo, uh, videography stuff. Um, if you're, if you got in quite, if it doesn't have to be just hunting, like if you have a photo question for me or a mod questions or something for, for Clint, you know, we'll, 
we'll split up the we'll split them up and try to give you the best answer we can. That or we'll bullshit our way through it. Yeah, that or that or hell, we might even bring someone on who knows something one time and they can answer one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. might bring in like a real hunter. You know, <laughs> right. you never know. <laughs> right. So this first one was a pretty good okay. one. It's a. Uh, I forget the fellow's name. I forgot to write down the name. So if you're out there listening, sorry, I wish I could give you cred, but I didn't have time to write everyone's Instagram name down. Um, this first one is, so you're in the woods, you're going in to hunt. Yep. Once you're in the timber, do you, nature calls, it's a number two. Number two. Okay. Do you, do you dig a hole when the, when you shit in the woods or not? Survey says no. John Mulligan. Heck no. Here's the thing, man. So I'm slightly allergic to gluten and wheat, and that's usually the, the source of my triggers, those abrupt triggers. Mm-hmm. If I'm in the woods and I get that urge and I know it's not something I can hold, it's for me, it's more of a, I'm more concerned, am I going to be able to get my pants down Ooh. and go or before I just soil my drawers, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Yep. So no, I am not taking the time to dig a hole. I am straight plopping right on whatever surface is right there, man. I am not, I don't screw around with that. Now, are you a, are you a tree grabber or do you usually trying to find a log to, to I, sling? No, dude, out? I just air squat it. Air squat it. Nice. All right. Freestyle. I just air, air squat and go and just try not to hit my heels. Yeah. Freestyle. I like it. It's what we call it where I'm from. We call that freestyling. It's good stuff. Oh, yeah. 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 So for me, so this is this is the honest to God's truth. I'll do number two in the timber every time I hunt without fail. Like one, like the honest truth is like one of my biggest stresses the morning or the day that I'm going to hunt is whether or not I'm going to have a, a chance to poop before I leave. Like yeah. I. Oh, I, no. So I, well, I, and just to, to add real fast. I get up a little extra early mm-hmm. um, so I can make every effort to get that out of the way before I leave to head into the timber. But go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I have to, I get up a little extra early too and I pound my coffee and try to make it, try to make it happen. I'll eventually during the course of the hunting season, it's like, you know, your, your clock gets reset and it's like, then I'll start yeah, yeah. in the morning mm-hmm. when I get up. But at the beginning of the season, yep. it's like, it drives me crazy, but Chad used to make fun of me because every day when we were hunting in Ohio, like it became a thing where he was like, do it again. But like, yep. I don't even make it from the truck, dude. I get out of the truck. The fresh air hits me, excuse me. And I get so like pumped up and excited. I get butterflies. So I'm about to go hunt and get in, get in a tree yep. that I got to go like yep. immediately. And I don't, I don't dig a hole. I'm not a, I'm not a hole digger. You know, I'll find a, I'll air squad if necessary. Um, I typically don't like to lean up against trees because, you know, you might lean up against one that has some like poison growing up the side of it or whatever. Um, but what I'm a uh-huh. big fan of, and this is, this started actually in Montana cause I, I crapped in the woods every day for two weeks in Montana uh-huh. is grabbing the truck tire. And that's my favorite. Like just grab the truck tire, lean back, get a little back pressure on it, dude. That's a clean huh. one. Yeah. Worked pretty good. Works awesome. You see, and. You know, like, and, and again, if I've got the urge to go um, out in the woods, it's not a brick. It's soft serve at oh, yeah. best. Yeah. Yeah. So there's n- there's sucks, never a clean man. one. No. 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 And um good friend of mine, uh, Tom Petrie, over at Become One, uh, I don't know. It started sometime around Harrisburg and 
the conversation evolved and how we got on to the poop conversation. I don't know, but it, it like, it's ongoing and, and we still text back and forth about it, <laughs> but I'm, I'm way more upset if I, if I waste a good shower, you know, yeah. it never fails. You know, you take a shower and then you got to yep. go take a deuce. Yep. I'm more upset about wasting the shower than I am having to poop in the woods, yeah. you know? Yeah. I mean, I've, I've, I've come to enjoy pooping in the woods, you know, not going to lie. Yeah. Kind of like it. You Dude, know? animals poop in the woods. Yeah. You know, I'll, I'll argue that with anybody. People are like, oh, you can't pee in the woods. Really? Other animals don't pee in the woods. So here's, you know, I, here's, here's another, here's a little story about pooping in the woods. So the deer I killed two years ago, going on, it'll be three years, I guess, this fall in Ohio. I got in mm-hmm. my tree early in the morning was getting set up, was getting ready to climb in, and it just, it hit me. And I was like, man, I got to go. And it was what you were talking about where it was like, there wasn't going to be any opportunity. Yeah, I don't go now. I got yeah, problems. Yeah, it was like, there wasn't going to be any opportunity to like assess where I'm going to go. It's exactly what you said, where it's like, I'm going to have problems where it's like, I'm going to go in my pants, and then I'm going to be going back to camp to try to get cleaned up, which means I'm going to burn half a day, you know, or at least the morning, you know, cleaning myself up. So yep. I ran down just below my stand, probably like 30 yards, maybe, you know what I mean? And that was all the further I can make. Cause I was like, I just need to try to get as far away as I can. And that was all I could yep. make it. Boom. Sat down, did it right there. That was it. Like, you know, whatever, right before, you know, however long before daylight, right. Half hour before daylight, whatever mm-hmm. it is. I shot that deer no further than like 10 yards from that pile of poop at one o'clock in the afternoon. So yeah. it's like, <laughs> like he didn't seem to have a problem with it. So I, I'm yeah. a firm believer. Like I'm now I wouldn't say, uh, you want to have like baby wipes out there with you or anything, you know what I mean? Like scented sure. baby wipes, probably, probably not a good move. Right. But if you're going to natural yep. and maybe you're using some leaves as your, uh, as your toiletry, I think you're probably pretty yeah. safe. You know? That's yeah, I think, yeah. I think you're fine. Yeah. That's my take. Yeah. I'm uh, I'm right there with you, man. And, and you know, for me, like, and this is like a note to anybody. If I'm ever around somebody at a restaurant or we're at a bar and I just like phantom and without saying anything to anybody, there's an 85% chance I went to go poop. Yep. It just I'll got be right. right back. I'm a fast one. I'm not one of those like, you know, I got to go and squat for, you know, two hours. Read the paper. Because when I got to go, it's, I got to go it, now. It's like happening. Right now. <laughs> So I, think, I have, dude, I, I've pooped on the side of the road five <laughs> miles from my house so many times. It's not even funny. <laughs> I think I I'm saw, like, I, I can't make it home. I think I saw the monument. And you know, there's people that have in. those phobias. Like I can't poop anywhere unless I'm at my house. I can't yeah. poop in public restroom or I can't poop in the woods. Dude, I literally can poop with people watching me. I don't care. Yeah, dude, I've, I've used the train station bathroom in Philly. Like I'm good. You know, it's like, it's not, yeah. a, it's not, a, it's not a problem. <laughs> You're like, there's a hobo like laying down right next to me. I don't even care. I gotta yeah. go. I'm like, hey man, you. Pass- like, you know, it's the for me. It's the alternative. It's poop now, or like, dude, I'm a grown ass man. I'll, you know, I don't want. I don't. I don't. I don't want to shit myself. But you know, <laughs> I don't think that's, anybody. That's the would, I don't think anybody wants to. You know, it's like no. <laughs> Nice. Well, I think no, I think we sufficiently covered the uh, covered the covered the uh, that, one, a hole that one's wood. answered. That one's yep. answered. Yes. Yeah. So the answer is no. We don't dig a hole. We go wherever we please. Heck no. 
So the next one is, we're going to get into some deer-related stuff now that we grossed everyone out sufficiently. Um, this next one is a new piece of property. So you got a new piece, you know, public or private. You know, it's just for the purpose of, you know, this conversation. Let's just assume it's, it's, a, it's a piece of public. It says, ah, okay. screw it. It could be either or. We'll go either or. Public or private. Do you believe trail, trail camera placement or boots on the ground scouting is better. So yeah, I think what he's asking is like, you know, you got a new piece, you know, do you feel like you're going to get more out of, or do you learn more or are you building your strategy more based off your trail camera placements or by actually walking the piece? And, uh, I'll let you take this one first. Okay. Um, for me, it is going to be bed dependent. Yeah. Um, yeah, the closer I get to bed, the more camera and less boot I want. Mm-hmm. Um, unless it's early, 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 like summer, mm-hmm. you know, that kind of stuff. But let's just call it we're getting close to hunting season or we're in hunting season. Um, I like more camera scouting than than boot scouting, um, without a doubt. Right. Yeah, and I think it's dependent, me, me too. Like, I think the the correct answer is really both. Right. I think you want to use both to their advantages, you know, that, that you know, to your point um, earlier in the yep. year, boots on the ground is probably optimal because it's going to let you understand, like, you know, when you're looking at topo and stuff like that, on map, that's the other thing I would add into. It's like, don't discount looking at maps first because you know, you'll figure out a lot by just looking at maps and probably save yourself a lot of time. Sure. Um, but I think, yes, it's dependent. I definitely spend more time in the early part of the year, you know, putting boots to the ground, especially if it's a brand new piece, because I want to figure out what the terrain yeah. does. I want to see yep. f- for myself, like where old sign has been, you know, are there old monster rubs in there that I need to pay attention to? Is there, is there a little Oak flat or something that I, you know, I'm not going to know otherwise, you know what I mean? To know that maybe, Hey, that's going to be a good spot during, you know, during pre-rut, whenever they're just trying to, when they go quote unquote nocturnal, the law, you know, when they're changing food sources, um, yep. you know, but I think, you know, but, but cameras definitely have a place, you know, and I think to your point, I think as it gets, as you get closer to bed, you know, it's, um, I think it becomes paramount to use cameras, especially if you start, to, especially if you've put boots on the ground and you've learned a little bit about the property, then I think the cameras become really, really important because it allows you to be, um, you know, not, non non obtrusive on the, on the, on the piece overall. The, the other caveat yeah. that I would add too is how close are you to this piece? Right. Cause to me that plays a lot into it to where it's like, for example, for me, you know, the family property we have back home, like, you know, yeah, I put boots on the ground on it, you know, the first year we got it in the spring and the summer a little bit, but I live three and a half hours from it. So I didn't hunt it the first year. I hung cameras on it and I just watched cameras for the first year and really didn't do mm-hmm. much after that um, until the following winter. And then I went and really put a good scout on it. It really took me to this year to where I f- started figuring stuff out, you know, so it was like two years yep. of like watching cameras and having very limited time to put boots on the ground. So it's like, yeah, if you live a fur piece from wherever you're trying to hunt, because this happens to me with another good example is Iowa, right? Like I came out, I put boots to the ground for like three days with you. And otherwise now yep. it's like, I'm going to have to rely on cameras. And I mean, I have yep. an ace in the yep. hole because you're familiar with these pieces. So it's like, yeah, the location of that new property is key. I mean, and you know, the closer I get to bed, when I, when it's boots on the ground, I want it to be my hunting boots on yes. the ground. Yeah. Um, and from a scouting perspective, yeah, I, I'm right there with you. And and I, I kind of left that part out. The I would rather have more camera than boots on the ground, 
but the guaranteed part of it is the prep of of looking at topos and and trying to study the terrain as much as I can. Um, I definitely study way more terrain on a new piece than I do an old piece, you know? Yeah. And I think too, if it's a new piece, like my other, I think, you know, advice would be, and I'm going to steal a page from Cody here, which is like, you don't know shit about this piece really. So like I would worry less about putting cameras up and worrying about bumping deer. And I would worry more about getting in there and finding where they're at, making some mistakes. Yep. That way you're set up for success the following year. Cause let's be honest, it's like just gonna be just gonna call it what it is. Unless you're a hell of a hunter or you got really lucky, you're probably gonna struggle on that piece the first year. You know, oh, yeah. or unless yeah. you unless first you're year, these, maybe even two. Yeah, unless yeah. you're just one of these dudes who has a lot of time off that you can spend that you can hunt almost every day. And I know I have buddies like that, right? And, and you, a horseshoe up their ass. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean we all have buddies, you know, like a guy like you know, like an end fault or whatever the guy hunts like almost every day or like the hunting public guys that hunt every day. It's like, yeah, if you can be in the timber every day, you know what I mean? And learn on the fly, then sure. You know what I mean? But if you're a normal dude and you're going to get a week for rut and you're going to hunt weekends and you're going to pick a day here and there during the course of the, the, the season to, to take a day off from work, it's like, yeah, you're probably just want to going to want to pound it and make some mistakes and figure the property out and yeah. figure out where deer are bedded and figure out where bucks, you know, are spending their time during the different times of year. And then, and then probably the next year cameras will probably serve you better. You know, that's kind of yeah. my yeah. thought. Anything else to yeah. add to that? Or do you think we uh, covered that one? No, no, I, I agree. And you know, and it's funny cause you and I have talked about, um, tactics and aggression and mm-hmm. or being being aggressive and and stuff like that aggression describes me uh late late season when i'm getting pissed but no right. um <laughs> being aggressive with the tactics the um no and it's funny because you know the more and more i talk to cody about stuff i mean um it goes hand in hand with how I, you know i've been saying that i want to be a little bit more aggressive and um I probably bumped more deer in years past, just simply not knowing better. Mm-hmm. But I also located more deer. Yeah. In years past, so uh, there's something to be said about getting in there and and yeah yeah you can you can a trail camera is going to give you deer, but a trail camera is not going to take a picture of rubs, sign, scrapes, trails. You know what I mean? Right. I mean, I think the other... It's not going to pick up that, that sign, so yeah. to speak. So, I'm there's just, something to be said for, for for boots on the ground. I mean, no doubt. Yeah. I was just going to add one other thing. Is just like going back to what I was saying, which is that first year, it's like make the mistakes and get on the piece because the other thing that you don't quite know until you're there and doing it is like you can look at wind direction all you want, but until you start to climb up trees and sit those spots with a west wind... And see if it actually blows. Oh, yeah. That it that it actually blows true west for you, you know, when you're in the tree. Like that's yep. something you don't know until you start sitting in stands, right? And unless your plan is to go wind map the property during the off season to know that when you get a west wind, it actually is a southwest on this knoll, and on this knoll, your west wind is actually a northwest wind. You know what I mean? Like so, yeah. there's all those things that you know you don't know until you go until you go do it. And so I think that yeah. it would just be you know. <laughs> don't treat it with kid gloves, go in and beat it up a little bit. You're not going to run the deer into the next County. It's not going to happen. You know, it, they'll, they'll be back. Yeah, they'll, come, they'll come back. Yeah. You know, but 
going with it with the right expectations and the right goals in mind. And the goal should really be like this first year, if I kill something, that would be awesome and I'm going to try to. But I should really walk out of this piece knowing the property, right? Unless you can hunt every day, then it's a different story. But if you're a normal dude, like try to kill something, but learn the piece. So you have, you know, more success later. So, all right. So next one is, this one actually pertains to me because I actually have this situation in uh, two pieces actually this year. So it says, what would you do if your only morning access was to walk through an open field? So I'll I'll take a stab oh, yeah. I'll take a stab at this one yeah. first and then and then pass it over to you. So okay. for me and I know you have this too because I know I've I've seen the property that you hunt and stuff like that. So I def I'm curious in what you what you say as well. Um, yep. So for me, it's I've battled this most of most of bow hunting just because especially you know back home farmland it was a lot of the this the one property was just set up well, it wasn't set up to hunt number one. And it was just laid out in a way that was really, really challenged to access, uh, challenging to access. Um, one of the things that I started doing and I'll probably deploy this year, I think first you have to understand when he's saying here that it's, you know, your only morning access is I think first before you consider that is like understand whether or not it's actually going to be successful or not in the morning. Um, because if you only have, if you're, if you're only access into this properties through the field, and you're going to blow a deer out and alert everything in the, in, on, the, on the property that you're coming, then it's not a morning spot. Um, and so then I would figure out ways, like, can I slip in there mid-afternoon when the fields are empty and get into a spot that I need to get into to try to, to, try to have a successful hunt? So I think that's the first thing is, like, if it is crappy access for morning, then I probably wouldn't hunt mornings. Um, the other option is, is I started playing around with this in the swamp a little bit, and I'm going to adopt it probably for these two properties is – I started going in in uh, like late morning, so I'd wait till the sun came up to where the to where deer had already kind of you know been through their gray light and they've been back to bed and stuff like that, um, and kind of came in after them behind them. That way, I wasn't meeting them as they were trying to get back to bed. Um, that would be the other kind of <laughs> the other way that I would would approach it. The other alternative is is try to. I mean, if it, I'm assuming this property is probably not. Um, uh, like <laughs> buoyed by water on every side. So I would start talking to neighbors, you know, any of the adjacent properties and see if you can possibly use their properties as access uh, to help you out. If the field is completely, if it's completely off limits, other than that, I think you have to get a little bit creative and maybe use ATVs or trucks to get in and out of there and have someone drop you off. That way the deer get moved off the field with a vehicle versus a human um, it seems like some folks, you know, I've never really had success with that, but I've have heard where some folks have had success with that just because they were used to farm equipment and stuff like that. So the motor didn't really bother them too much. Um, and they didn't really, you know, spook them off to, to, to ruin the hunt necessarily. And then have someone come pick you back up. Um, those are the kind of handful of ways that I would think about, but I think field access is always one of the toughest and it's one of the, it's one of the things that I think screw probably more hunters than, than they want to admit. So what are your, what are your thoughts? Oh, 100% agree. I mean, so many of the farms here in Iowa are laid out where you got road frontage across the farm and trees basically are the perimeter of the property line and it's tillable ground in the dead center. Mm-hmm. Um, if you can't get, you know, I would say you try to get permission from a neighboring farm, see if he'll give you permission just to cut through his, um, cut through his field or cut through his timber or something. 
um, if possible. If that if that's not an option, um, you know, it may not be a morning property. Mm-hmm. It yeah. just simply might might not be the best way. Um, there, you know, Don Higgins is is really really good about planting Egyptian wheat, milo, and sorghum, corn, um, and creating like a maze. Mm-hmm. And it gives himself a wall. Um, I've seen it firsthand on his property where he's got ways that uh, he's got paths cut in where he can cut down through a field and the deer never even see him slipping into it. Um, that's an option. I love the idea of getting the deer accustomed to quads, have somebody drop you off, and then he keeps on driving, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, deer, it's amazing how accustomed they get to quads and tractors and trucks and, you know, that kind of stuff. I've used those tactics in the past with vehicles. Um, and it's worked out pretty decent. I know buddies that have used it. It's worked, you know, really well for them as well. Um, but you know, either get in a little bit earlier, maybe you have to sit for an hour and a half in the dark. Right. Uh, that's a possibility. Um, stay away from the full moon nights where they're going to be a little more active in the evening to where, you know, you're blowing them out of that open field. Um, walk as close as you can to the edge of the timber instead of being out in the middle of the field. Maybe they're less likely to see you take your time, walk slower. You know, there's a couple of different tactics that I've, I've, you know, tried to use myself, but I, a lot of my properties have a big open field in the dead center. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's hard, man. It's, there's, I mean, there's a couple of different ways to skin the cat and it's like, I don't think any of them are necessarily, foolproof i like the one that you mentioned you know and this is just to reiterate it you know because it's always something on one of our you know properties it's like i would like to do it at some point if i could ever if i could ever get the time to do it and really kind of map it out to where it's going to be most effective but what you mentioned about don like planning planning screening cover if this is a property that you own or that you lease mm-hmm. if, you, if you can plant you know it's like that's that's probably your best bet right is just to plant yourself a screen to get to get in um you know, that stuff is, and of course you still have to play the wind. I think that's the one thing we left out, but it's, I think it goes without saying, it's like, you don't want, you know, yep. you don't want the wind blowing in the deer's, in the deer's favor at that, at that point. Um, you know, so, so I think those are the things you can possibly try, but I mean, there's no way around it, you know, accessing through a field is tough, you know, especially for, for morning hunts. So, um, yep. the next one here is our best strategy What's our our go to strategy? And I, we can probably expand beyond one strategy for uh, hunting public land during the rut. And I'll let you uh, I'll let you kick this one off there, Utah. Hunting public land in the rut. Yeah. Um. So I'm going on sign at that point. I'm going on draws and ridges. Mm-hmm. Um. That's if I'm going in blind. That's what I'm, that's what I'm going for. Yeah. Um, places where I think the, the big bucks might get up, you know, late morning, midday and they're scent checking mm-hmm. downwind of dope bedding areas. Yep. Those are going to be the spots that I'm going on public Yep. and going where other people aren't. Yeah. Yeah. I think that that's the first thing for me, or at least it has been in the past is just trying to find, 
a chunk of ground that is going to be out of the way or overlooked or maybe hard to access or whatever, right? Um, is yep. I think is the first thing to kind of do. It's, you know, look at a map again, not to harp on it, but go back to a, an aerial map and look to see where the parking lots are and anything that's within, you know, quarter mile of the parking lot, you might as well mark it off, kill it, unless it's just a place that's overlooked, you know, and you won't know that unless you put some boots on the ground and see if there's any sign left from years past and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, one thing that I found that's worked well for me, um, you know, particularly in, in Ohio hunting public is, uh, is trying to find, you know, if, if in this one particular piece, it's like I've had the opportunity to hunt a couple different years. So I've gotten more and more familiar with it and I've more started trying to position my less concerned about where the big bucks are possibly living quote unquote um at, at that point um i'm gonna play the odds and kind of set myself up uh near doe bedding on the on the downwind side or the particular piece that i hunted this past year i'm actually i've actually set myself up in between two pieces of doe bedding so i'm getting the traffic that's going back and forth between doe bedding checking each doe bedding area um, to me, that's kind of the best bet. And this for the, this is actually related to an earlier question about the cameras versus boots on the ground. You know, one of the things that I've picked up and I've mentioned it in the past on a podcast is that, you know, these doe families pass their breeding dates onto their doe fawns. Um, so that whole family is going to come in year after year after year after year within the same like 24 hour window, essentially, um, in, into breeding. And so if you can run cameras on public and start to see when the activity when in a given area really picks up, especially if you're hanging cameras during the rut close to doe bedding, you can start to figure out like what, what week, almost down to what two or three days, that part of the timber is going to turn on for you. And so once you start to figure that out, you can start to jump from doe bedding to doe bedding based on when you know that they're going to come in. Now the icing on the cake is if, I mean, I have a pretty sweet spot in Ohio where it's like I know I'm in between two pieces of doe bedding and I know the hot time is between like the fifth and the eighth. Like that's the, that's the hot time. Um, and it plays out just about every year the same way. Um, and so for me, that's, you know, what I'm kind of trying to find and focus on. Um, but that takes some time and some years of hanging cameras and watching cameras so you can figure out what time certain ridges turn on with that doe family. This ridge turns on this time. This ridge turns on at this time. Um, but if you really want to optimize your public land hunts, like start to figure out when that, when that happens, if you have the time to, if you're going out for a two week hunt or a week hunt or whatever, then, you know, I think John stuff that you mentioned, which is find those funnels, read hot sign and, you know, find the hottest sign you can possibly find and set up on it. But I think the kick in the kick in the balls during that time of the year is that, you know, it's hard to tell what a deer is going to do that time of year when he's, when he's, when he's looking for a girlfriend, you know, so it's probably more about putting yourself yeah. in those, putting yourself in those pinch points, um, you know, that, that are going to pinch deer down during, you know, in, in areas that are heavily traveled. So anything else to add to that exactly. one? No, no, pretty much got that covered. Cool. Last one, last question. Okay. And this one, actually, I know who this one's from. He's a good dude. I've been meaning to have him on the show. We need to have him on sometime, but this one is from, a. um, uh, the whitetail drifter. I think you're familiar with the, with the oh, drifter. Yeah. yeah. Um, good dude. We got to have him on the show sometime. He's, he's good people. Uh, but he yeah. asks, yeah. And actually speaking of, uh, end of June, I think he's actually going to come down and hang some cameras, nice. uh, in and around, uh, some shimmick parcels as well. Nice. Um, he actually might hook up uh, or him and I, we might hook up together and, and hang some cameras, uh, nice. around the end of June. Yeah, Connor's good people. Then we definitely have to have him on here soon and, and chat with him. Yep. 
Yeah, but he asked uh, what uh, goals and expectations for your sits in Iowa this fall. So there you go. Yeah, so I'll, I'll, I guess I'll kick this one off and toss it to you. So I think for me, um, you know, I think I mentioned this when when we were talking when we actually recorded the podcast out whenever I was out with you. Um, is that you know I'm coming out to Iowa to to have a good time and have an experience. You know, I, I want to kill a deer you know, a nice deer badly. Um, but I'm not going to hold out for a 170 inch wall hanger. You know, that's just not, you know, for, Good. Yep. Yeah, for me, that's not necessarily what it's, uh, um, isn't necessarily the goal. Um, would, if one comes by, would I like to stick an arrow in it? Sure. You know, I'm not going to not. Um, but you know, I think my goal, if we're going in terms of, you know, um, animal, uh, caliber or whatever, I would like to shoot a, a four year old or older, you know what I mean? I, Cause Iowa has them, you know what I mean? So that would be, that would be awesome. Um, I would like to shoot something that I wouldn't necessarily be able to kill regularly in Pennsylvania. You know what I mean? So it's like my, you know, my breaking point would probably be, I see 140 inch deer. It's probably going to get an arrow. You know what I mean? Like that's kind of like the, the, the criteria for me, but more than anything, I think what I want to see is you know, I'm really looking forward to being in a state that has killer deer, killer habitat, sex ratios are balanced. And so the rut actually, the rut kicks off and happens, you know what I mean? And see deer do deer things and stuff like that, that, that aren't, you know, under a severe amount of pressure and stuff like that. Cause you know, PA has a ton of pressure, even the public that I hunt in Ohio, it's not as pressured as Pennsylvania, but it still has some you know, fair amount of pressure on it. Um, and the hunting numbers just in Ohio, as far as like pressure is concerned, is just so much lower. It's like hunting public land in, in Iowa is, is better than hunting most private land in Pennsylvania in a lot of cases, uh, from a pressure standpoint. So I'm just looking forward to kind of seeing things play out naturally. Cause you know, I've got a little taste of that in Ohio, um, at times and it's super cool. And I can just only imagine that with, the reduced pressure and the the amount of freedom that the deer have in Iowa that my imagination kind of hopes that, um, that that'll be even more ratcheted up while I'm, while I'm in the, uh, in, in Iowa. So that's really what my goal is. I want to see, I want to see cool stuff and I'm hoping to kill a nice deer that I wouldn't otherwise be able to kill regularly in Pennsylvania and, uh, hang out with some buddies, man. That's, that's really the name of the game. Thank you. Yeah. Those are all, all great, great goals. Yeah, man. Trying to trying to keep it trying to keep it real, man. So how about you, man? What's your what's your what's your goal? Um And we'll do we'll do a deeper dive goal oriented show here as we get closer to the season to talk more specifically about our goals. But since we're talking about the you know the the Iowa session, we'll get your high level goals as well. Yeah. Uh well so um this will be my second year running uh doing doing a food plot on the lease. So um you know, really like the deer management side of things. Um, I, I kind of, you know, I do both, I, I do both worlds, you know, I have the lease and I, so I like the deer management, but I really, I really, really enjoy public land hunting as well. So, um, on the public land side, it is to continue to scout and learn more ground, more cover, you know, cover more areas, um, uh, you know, around the Shimmick uh, public land. And then on the, private land of, of side of things it's continue to learn that property more um adapt the food plots and um 
you know, learn how that property, how the deer utilize that property with the different food sources and stuff like that. So those are my two big goals this year. Um, you know, it goes without saying, sure. I hope, I hope to harvest, you know, a mature buck this year. Um, but if, uh, that'll just be the, you know, the cherry on top, if I can accomplish the other two primary goals, you know, mm-hmm. nice. Yeah. And, and, I, and, you know, and, and it goes without saying, I'm, I'm anxious. I'm looking forward to you coming out and seeing, seeing what, you know, what Iowa has to offer. And hopefully you get the same feeling I did that, you know, even that first year, I'm just like, wow, it's, it's that's a solid four year old buck and I'm letting him walk. You right, know what I mean? Right. Yeah. It's, it's um, funny. It's funny when you and I talk, man, cause I sometimes think I'm like, I get off the phone. I'm like, I think John might be more excited for me to come to Iowa than I might be yet. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's, it's so neat, man. I mean, that first, that first fall, the first time I saw a three-year-old walk by that was bigger than any four or five-year-old I'd seen in Kentucky, um, you know, body wise, I just, um, you know, it's just, it's a, it's a neat area and, um, it's a, it's a, it's cool spot. It's, it's not as pressured, you know, as a lot of other states and a lot of other areas in the country. And so that part's, uh, that part's cool. And, and like I mentioned earlier, this will be the first season ever in my hunting life where, um, I'm not going to have that nine to five. I mean, yeah. every year I've been in Iowa, I can't even tell you how many times that I'd get a phone call and it'd be a conference call on a supposed vacation day or whatever. And I'm right. just, I'm looking forward to that. <laughs> right. Yeah. Hear, hear that. I think for me too, you know, goal of all goals would be that I would tag out very early in my trip because I've got two weeks planned to be out there with you. Uh-huh. Um, would be to tag out early to where you and I would actually get a chance to do a little hunting together and a little filming together. So my my, my hope is that like one of us tags out early to where we can film yeah. with the other one and do some oh, stuff. Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? That'd be solid. And my, my hope of all hopes is that we both tag out within like the first couple of days and we can like throw a few back, have a good time and just tell stories around the, uh, around the deer while we're skinning them out and, and just have that whole camp experience. You know what I mean? Like that would be, oh, yeah. that would yeah, be super sure. rad, you know, but yep. so I think we answered yeah, that all that would be awesome. That would be awesome, man. That's actually, if I had, if I could go back and just do revisionist history here real quick, that would actually be the goal. We both kill something. We both get to hang out in the skin and shed, drinking beers, skinning deer, telling stories. That's there the you go. Yeah. So, yeah, I think, uh, I think that's a good note to, uh, end on. Is there anything, uh, is there anything that we missed or we good or do we cover everything? I think we, I think we got it, man. I think, I think we got everything up to, up to date with what's going on. Um, you know, shameless, shameless plug. Um, Johnny Utah creative is, is up and running, um, staying really, really busy on the photo side of things and, um, expanding, I've done everything now from senior photos to baseball team picks to fire picks or product lifestyle picks for, for brands and, uh, doing some, uh, some product design work out in Montana, uh, with a company out there. And it's just, um, it, it's been awesome. It's been really, really cool. There's a lot of cool, uh, things that are starting to evolve and, um, you know, the connections are paying off, you know, apparently being a good person, like being honest, like with, um, with companies and doing exactly what you say you're going to do. Um, it actually does pay off in the long run. That so. is. <laughs> nice. Who would have thunk it? 
<laughs> Who would have thought? Yeah. Nice. You don't have to have a million followers. You, as long as you do what you say you're going to do and you don't rip people off. Right. It's amazing how it actually does come back around. Yeah, exactly. Awesome. Well, with that, we will close this jam down. I'm actually going to cool. get ready to pass out and probably have sweet dreams of Iowa in my head now. So, uh, there you go. I'll talk to you soon, buddy. <laughs> all right, man. Sounds good. All right, folks. That is a wrap for today's show. I'd like to thank all of you for listening. And if you have not yet, please head over to iTunes and leave us a five star rating. And before we shut this thing down, I want to give a big shout out to our partners who continue to help us make this podcast possible. Tether, Exodus Outdoor Gear, Skull Brew Coffee Company, Obsession Bows, Ramcap Broadheads, Trophy Taker Rests, and Dead Down Wind. And until next time, we'll see you. All right, gang, the new Truth merch is in stock at truthfromthestand.com and on YouTube below any of the Truth From The Stand videos. I've got some new hats, beanies, t-shirts, long sleeve t-shirts, and sweatshirts. There's even a new do hard shit hat for those of us who like to embrace micro-dosing adversity. So head to truthfromthestand.com and check out the new gear and use the code TRUTH, T-R-U-T-H, and save yourself some cash on the new gear.